So we call this uh, message an, a most unexpected journey because that is what Christmas was for Mary and Joseph. And a lot of times that's what it is for us. I kind of feel like, you know, we're doing Tolkien and The Hobbit doing that, a most unexpected journey. But it's a very philosophical way of kind of looking at it or thinking about it. But the truth is, um, it is because it's not as we predict. It's not how we thought it was going to happen. I don't know if you realize this, but Christmas constantly changes, doesn't it? I mean, it's different than it was uh, before. And so you have to ask yourself this question. This will pop up here. How did we get here? It will pop up. There it is. How did we get here? I mean, how did I get in this time, this place? How did Christmas get like this? I remember when I was a, a kid, my parents would talk about their stockings. And uh, how many people still have stockings on the fireplace or chimney or something like that? Yeah. And for them, that was Christmas. They would put their stockings up a long time ago. And because of the uh, economy and they were raised in basically middle, poor class families, on Christmas, everything that they got was in that stocking. That's, that's what it, you know, there was fruit in the stocking, there were nuts in the stocking, and maybe on a good year there would be some toy or something like that um, in the stocking because that's just the way the world was at that time. And they loved it. I mean, they, they talked about even in their latter years at uh, Christmas going and getting their stocking and taking it down and emptying it out just to find what was in there. Because of that, <laughs> when we were kids, we got stockings also and yes, our stockings had nuts and an orange and you know things like that in it. And just like theirs, uh, none of the none of the uh, nuts were cracked. You had to take a cracker and open them. You know, it was just kind of like, wow, it's a lot of work. But you know, that's the way it was. Christmas changes, doesn't it? It's not the same. Um, the things of Christmas are, are are different. However, I think if you think about it, the need of Christmas, has not really changed. And what Christmas meant 2,000 years ago and what it means to us today, if we look at it for what it really is, um, it really is the same thing. There's uh, in The Grinch, the movie The Grinch, and the one with Jim Carrey in it, um, uh, uh, little uh, Lucy Lou, she sings this one song. Actually, uh, the, the better is to uh, listen to uh, Faith Hill sing it because she's got a beautiful voice, but she sings this song. I don't know if you remember this. One of my favorite Christmas songs. She says this. She says, where are you, Christmas? Why can't I find you? Why did you go away? Maybe you felt like that before. Uh, you're, uh, wait a minute, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. This is the best part. She says, my world is changing. It's rearranging. Does that mean Christmas changes to, it does, because the need that we have is still there, and, and Christmas is still given to meet the need that is there in our life. Maybe you grew up with Charlie Brown and Charlie Brown Christmas, and here's one of the things that Charlie Brown uh, said. You, you probably remember this. He said, rats, because that's Charlie Brown, right? The good thing was that was about um, as rough as Charles Schultz would get in his writing. Charlie Brown says, rats, nobody sent me a Christmas card today. He didn't get anything. He adds, I almost wish there wasn't a holiday season. I know nobody likes me, but do we have to have a holiday season to emphasize it, right? That's Charlie Brown, isn't it? The reason it relates to us is because there's a Charlie Brown in all of us. 
thinking, well, wait a minute, what about me? Did anybody remember me? Does anybody care about me? We all have that deep, deep need to be, there's a desire to be wanted, to be loved, to be desired, that, that someone wants to know us and wants to be close to us. And actually, that's the story of Christmas. That's what Christmas is all about. God understands. God made us this way where we would have this need, and God himself is the one who actually fulfills it. It's just that as he does, he doesn't necessarily do it in the time frame that we think about or how we wanted it. God has his own plans about how he's gonna fulfill this. So we've been looking at Luke's gospel and uh, in his version of it, he gives the uh, Christmas story, his version of it, and this is what it says in Luke chapter number two, beginning with uh, verse number one. He says, right, he, uh, Luke writes, at that time the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And then he adds this, all returned. That means they had to go back. Go back where? All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go back to, what was David's hometown? Yeah, Bethlehem. He had to go back to Bethlehem in Judea, uh, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, his fiancee, who was now obviously pregnant. So uh, he lived with Mary. This was his espouse. They weren't married yet, but they were engaged. And they live, if you've got the Mediterranean Sea here and the Sea of Galilee and the Jordan River and the Dead Sea, they lived up in Galilee, the area in a town called Nazareth, a pretty big town. But you go about 50 miles, 60 miles south, you come to Jerusalem, which is nearer where the Dead Sea is, and then another five or six miles south of that is this little town of Bethlehem. And it's the place that David was born. And so he had to go back there, a long journey, especially with a wife who is pregnant and she's about to give birth. And she has to travel on a donkey, maybe you rode one out there a little earlier, go all the way, 50, 60, 70 miles to travel all the way down to this little place. I, I think that they thought, what is going on? I mean, this just doesn't make sense to go back. And, and of all things, I think this would be true of Joseph. The one place he probably didn't want to go was back to where he came from. You ever been like that? Little bitty town. Uh, I told you last week that no more than 1,000 people. I was reading some other archaeologists who say, oh, no, 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 no. No more than 300 people. Bethlehem was tiny. It was small. It, it was not like the big city of Nazareth. This was the place that you know, he grew up and he wanted to get away from. He didn't want to go back to this place, but now he goes. And he takes Mary with him, who is his spouse. They're not married yet, but she is obviously pregnant as he takes her there. And it says in verse number six, and while they were there, the time came. This is um, Luke emphasizing the fact that God, God has his own timing and his own plans for their lives, just like he has for your life and for my life. You may have your plans, but God has his, his own plans for what's gonna happen and how things are gonna happen. So he says, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son, she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth. This is where the King James Version will say swaddling clothes. 
They're strips of cloth that they would use to swaddle babies. They would also use them in these mangers to swaddle young lambs. And she laid him in a manger, that's a feeding trough, because there was no lodging available for them. Boy, you go to this town, you go back you know, home. It's not like there was a big hotel there or anything like that. Some people would have extra rooms, but those were already uh, used or those were already taken. Uh, it doesn't say that Joseph found, I'm sorry, that, um, yeah, that Joseph found any relatives there that would take him in. So the only place that they could stay was in an area where the animals were covered. They may have been under a house, in a cave somewhere, and there was a manger there that would have been used to feed the animals, and that's where the baby is placed as the baby is born. Man, I see, I, I just look at it and think, Mary and Joseph have got to be thinking, how did we get here? <laughs> I mean, this, this, this wasn't what we thought would happen with our lives. And especially, especially, right, if, if, if God is saying, you're special. Oh, I feel special. Yeah, right here with the animals and the feeding trough. But God has his own plans. Years ago, uh, my daughter and my son-in-law both were um, working for the, uh, the Navy. And uh, so I got a chance to go and be on her ship. And it's a big warship. There's about 3,000, 1,500 uh, sailors, 1,500 uh, Marines. This was her first assignment. And so we f I flew with a friend of mine to Honolulu. And there in Honolulu, we met them. They'd been married not very long, maybe a year. And uh, she was just deathly sick. I mean, really, really ill. And so her husband said, you know, the best thing I think to do is go ahead and take her back to the ship and get her on board because there's a really good hospital there. There are two doctors um, that uh, will travel with the ship also. It's just the best place to, to take her. So we did. We got her into a cab, got her luggage, our luggage. My daughter's a little bitty thing, and uh, she looks like a little kid. She probably looked like she was 15 or 16 at the time. We pull up to the gate, and here are the MPs, right? And the MPs are looking at these two old men in a cab with what looks like a teenage girl, and she looks like she's kind of drugged out or out of it. And I'm thinking, this doesn't look really good, you know. We're gonna end up in the brig somewhere, you know, be, be arrested. And they're kind of giving us the eye and questioning us. And the only thing that fixed it is we, she pulled out her ID and it says lieutenant on there. So they snap to attention and I uh, say, wherever you need to go. And they say, you know, uh, the taxi driver to take us to a certain ship. Took us a while to find it because we didn't know where to go and the taxi driver didn't know where to go. And she was pretty much out of it. We get her out of the taxi, carry up the stairs and go up to this huge warship, go on board, take her to the hospital, put her in the hospital. They put her on the IV. We don't see her for four or five days. And once she's settled, it's dark, it's already nighttime, they kick us out of the hospital on the ship. So here we are with uh, 3,000 Marines and sailors, and we're standing there with our little duffel bags, like... What do we do now? Because the person who's supposed to take care of us and tell us where we're going and what we're doing is in the hospital, right? So we're just standing there. Finally, someone felt sorry for us, which I'm glad. And they said, here, let me help you. Your, your place to stay is probably in the bottom of the ship. Of course it is. There'll be 120 other sailors down there that work in engineering. They take us down. They've got these little bunks. They're stacked in threes. There are two on the bottom that were empty and obviously, you know, this is the only place we're gonna have to stay on the ship. It's completely packed, completely full. We, we get down on the, on the ground, slide into these bunks. 
I take my duffel bag and pull it into the bunk also on top of my legs. It, the thing is so small, I couldn't even roll over. It was just, you have to slide out, roll over, slide back in, and then move the duffel bag at the same time. My legs went to sleep. The, the duffel bag pushing on my legs, my legs go to sleep. And I'm laying there in this, in this bunk, four stories below sea level, down under the water, with all these 20-year-old guys and they're snoring away because they've got to work in the morning. And I'm thinking in the dark, Lord, how did I get here? <laughs> what, what is going on? This is, this is not how I envisioned this trip of going and seeing my daughter and seeing what she did. This, this just doesn't work for me. And it was the loneliest, emptiest, couldn't see a thing. I didn't really know where I was even on this ship. And the only thing that changed was in the morning, Sun comes up, they're all getting up, going to work, and uh, eventually someone takes us upstairs to have breakfast, see the outside sun, and all of a sudden life's better, right? Same thing with them. Joseph and Mary are like, what is going on? How did we get here? What, what is this all about? Until, until the baby's born. Then all of a sudden everything changes. The baby changes everything for their for their lives, that this was the whole point of coming to this place at this time. In fact, I want to ask you a question because I, I, you know, I read a lot of uh, people who write about the Bible and things like that. And sometimes I agree, sometimes I disagree. The one of them that I disagreed with is uh, several writers will say that Mary and Joseph knew that they had to go to Bethlehem because they knew the Old Testament. Uh, prophecy about that's where the baby would be born, so they went there because of that. I don't think that's what the story's about. Do you? I think they go to Bethlehem for one reason, because the Roman emperor, Augustus, says, I need more taxes. You've got to go to Bethlehem and register so that I can tax you more. That's how they got to Bethlehem. It wasn't because they planned it or they thought this was the right thing to do. They just did what they had to do only to find out that who had plans? God had plans for when they got there. He knew where he was going to have them. He had already said this is where the baby would be born. And they get there by the circumstances of their life. The reason I think that's important is you may look at the circumstances of your life and you may say no one's in control. This is not working out well. How can I fix this or make this happen the way I want it to happen? And then you just wind up someplace and the only thing you can do sometimes is to just look up at God and say, God, how did I get here? Why do you want me here? What are your plans? I don't know what's going on in your life this time of the year uh, today, but even now, what a good time to say something like that even in your hearts. Lord, I don't know how I got here. I don't know what I'm doing exactly. Got plans, but this didn't work out the same way I'd planned it. And so what are your plans? What do you have for me? Because Christmas is all about the fact that God is watching you. God cares for you. God has, has plans for you, in fact, that's the meaning of Christmas. Christmas is not mankind or people reaching up and finding God. Christmas is God reaching down and finding man, reaching down and, and finding us. In fact, to, just to help you understand the purpose of Jesus a little bit more, here's what Matthew writes. This is in Matthew uh, chapter number one. He also has his own version of the birth, and this is what uh, he writes. He says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, 
And before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiance, was a good man, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Verse 20 says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, I think that's real key because I think he's helping Joseph remind him of who he is, whose line he comes from. The angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to call him, say this with me, you're to call him what? Jesus, and he gives an explanation. For he will save his people from their sins. Now you may not know this, but this is really important to understand. When, when the name is given, the angel says he's gonna be called Jesus. This is a Greek name. And it's, it's not an uncommon name. This was a name that was used among Jewish people because of what it meant. It, it meant that God saves. If you actually, it's the Greek version, Jesus, of the name Joshua in the Old Testament. You, you see that Hebrew name. Or maybe even a, a more full pronunciation of it would be Yahushua. That, that, that's who he was. He was, it means save, the, the Shua part of it. And Yehovah is the first part of the name that's put together. It means God saves. And that's who Jesus was. Jesus, Greek version of God saves. And then he adds this. This is uh, Matthew, who is certainly uh, Jewish, and he writes, uh, all this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophets. And here is the uh, prophecy that he is referring to. This is from Isaiah, if you want to write that down. Isaiah writes this about 700 years before Jesus is born. Some have contended that this was changed later because we didn't have later copies of Josh, of uh, Isaiah, but then the, the, the scrolls in Qumran, they're called the Dead Sea Scrolls, were discovered. And we find out 300 years to 350 years before Jesus that Isaiah's scroll is intact and these verses are in there. He, he is predicting this way ahead of time. And here's what he predicts. He says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him, say this word with me, call him what? Emmanuel, yes. And Emmanuel means God with us. So yes, he's called Jesus, but he is actually God with us. God come to dwell with us. I know you may think, you know, because we hear it all the time. So we know, we know this fact about who Jesus is. But for the Jewish people, they, they understood a Messiah would come, that God would send a rescuer, a savior. But they saw this rescuer like Moses or like King David. The idea that this rescuer would actually be God himself put on flesh and blood, that was foreign to them. Even though the prophet Isaiah had said, that's who he will be. He will be Emmanuel, God with us. And so they struggled with Jesus when he came. They were fine with him as a man, but when he all of a sudden says that he was the son of God, they're like, well, wait a minute, you know. There's, there's no way we can handle that. In fact, eventually, uh, their conviction of Jesus and their crucifixion was over blasphemy. He claims to be God. That's exactly what he claimed to be. He was God come to us as God sent him through Mary there in Bethlehem. So in verse 24, it says, when Joseph woke up, 
He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He did what he was told to do. And he took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until the son was born. And Joseph named him. What did he call him? Yeah, just like he was told. He names him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So go back to, uh, this is Luke, going back to uh, chapter two. This is the part you remember from um, Charlie Brown's story. Verse number eight says this, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, do not be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. So for these shepherds, these were not just ordinary shepherds. In between Jerusalem and Bethlehem, about five or six miles there, there were fields and there were special groups of sheep that were kept there and they would require shepherds to be there all through the night because when those lambs were born in the nighttime, their job was to make sure that those lambs remained perfect, unblemished, no injury, nothing wrong with them because those lambs would be used in the temple for the sacrifices. So it was a very special place, very special job for them, even though it was the worst of jobs. They're up all night with smelly sheep. You know, the funniest thing about shepherds is that even though they're keeping those lambs and they're trying to keep them perfect, um, they, they were not welcomed by the people because they smelled. They were at the animals all night and slept during the day. And, and because they were ceremonially, as far as the temple was concerned, they were unclean. They were not allowed to enter. So it's not necessarily the best job in the world, right? I mean, if your son comes to you uh, ladies and said, hey, mom, I got a job as a shepherd. She's going like, wait a minute. You can do better than that. I mean, this is like, you know, Waylon and Willie saying, mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be what? Shepherds. Yeah, that's right. So, okay, cowboys. You don't want to be that. You can do better than that. That's who these guys were. And yet, the angels come to visit them and proclaim to them that in Bethlehem, a child has been born. It's not very far away, maybe a mile, maybe two miles. We don't know how far they were toward Jerusalem. And you can go there and you can see this child that was born to be the savior of the world. And then it says this, yeah, I like this. He says this, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth with those with whom God is pleased. In other words, God's favor are those that God's favor rests upon. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. You know, let's ditch this place, right? There are other shepherds who will care for these sheep. Let's, let's go down to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I think this is where the song started, just to let you know. When, you know, you've probably heard it before. Holiday road. Okay, maybe not. You don't, you're not buying it. Okay. They're ready to go, man. They're on an adventure. 
They're headed down to Bethlehem and they're gonna see this child and nothing's gonna stop them. And man, they are, they are cruising down to Bethlehem and this is what it says in verse 16. They heard to the village, they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Wow. All who heard uh, what the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary, listen to what Mary does. She kept these things in her heart and she thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks. Yep, they gotta go back to their job. Glorifying and praising God for all that they'd heard and all that they'd seen, it was just as the angel had told them. Wow, of all the people to get to know, to find out that God has not forgotten about us. God gave us promises. In his own time, he has decided to fulfill those promises. He's come and he's gonna be with us to lead us in life. I know that uh, in life that, you know, you hear this, and I, I would agree with it, as far as uh, making plans and things, you know, be careful that you don't spend your time reacting, spend your time instead of being proactive and planning. But when it comes to God, there's something about the reacting or the responding part that, that you can't miss, because you don't get a chance to plan what God will do. You get a chance to respond to what God will do because he is the big planner and he is the one who has plans for your life, my life that we never thought of and all of a sudden we end up in a place we didn't, but he's still with us. So think about these responses. Joseph, here's a man that this was not his plan, this isn't the way he thought it was gonna happen, but when he's told the plan, it says that Joseph did what the angel told him and he took Mary to be his wife. He married her because that's what he was told to do. And he names the child Jesus because that's the name that the angel told him to give. Then, then Mary, think about Mary. It says that Mary, she treasured all these things. She listened to the words you know, of, the, of the shepherds, all that they had said. She'd been, she'd been visited by an angel herself. She'd listened to her relative Elizabeth and all the stories that she told. And she's, she's treasuring up, she's holding on to all of these things and thinking about them often. Mary would need to do that because it will be a long road for Mary as Jesus grows up and then becomes an adult and all that happens to him, long road, but she holds on to all these things. Or think about the shepherds. I think I relate to the shepherds the most. <laughs> you know, you just look at your life and you say, ah, my life's not special, what am I gonna do, where am I gonna go? And yet, God sent his angels to these shepherds to announce the birth. And he tells them where to find the baby, Bethlehem. And he even gives a description of, what, of how to locate and identify the baby down in this little town. Be wrapped in swaddling clothes, strips of cloth, lying in a manger. They understood that. They dealt with sheep all the time. This is what they did with the lambs that were born. They swaddled them, they wrapped them, and they, they bedded them down to keep them safe because of what they would be one day, be used in the temple. They identified, they understood, they go down, they see they experienced, and then they came back rejoicing because of all that God had done for them. See, that's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is about God doing something for us. I mean, I know there are a lot of other things about Christmas that constantly grow and change, but Christmas is still about God doing something for us, not just for us, but for all the people of the world 
and the opportunity that we all have to respond to what God has done, to go, to see, to understand, to rejoice in this gift of his son. Would you pray with me? And dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you knew us, you understood us, you know how much we want to be loved and to know that someone cares for us and especially, Lord, to know that you watch after us and you care for us. So if you're here and you've never recognized, you never understood just how much God cared for you and that when he sent Jesus into the world, when he was born there in Bethlehem, he came in the world to be your savior and your rescuer. It's not something that you did for him, something you could plan or make happen. This is something that God planned himself. And it's your opportunity, my opportunity, to respond to what God has done by sending his son. You can say, Lord Jesus, thank you for caring about me for being the gift that I need, especially today, the most important gift that lets me know just how much you love me and you want me to be with you forever. Forgive me my sins. Come and live inside of me. Teach me your ways. Fill me with the life that you want me to have. Help make me into the person young man, the young woman that you want me to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.